Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the first episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast in this new year of 2021. As always, I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And if you're wondering why I'm a little fancy today, I got my tie on, I'm looking a little spiffy. It's because our guest is not only a, a man of violence, but a man of academia. And we can't wait to tell you more about him because he is a returning guest, one of our favorites. But before we do, we cannot start this new year out without first shouting out longtime sponsors of the show, your friends and ours. No judges needed. Your one-stop shop for all of your grappling apparel needs. Now, it's a new year. A lot of us are coming back to the mats from a long layoff. And maybe you're feeling like a little rusty. Maybe some new gear looking spiffy on the mats is going to help your game improve. I'm talking rash guards, combat shorts, uh, gis modeled by the immaculate Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And maybe like you want to feel that jujitsu magic in your day-to-day life. So you want to get some apparel, some hoodies. It's still very cold out, people. You can go and get all of your stuff there at www.nojudgesneeded.com. And if you want to save some money and help us out, Use the promo code JJT for 20% off all purchases. It's a win-win for everybody. So once again, that is www.nojudgesneeded.com and promo code JJT for 20% off. Let them know you sent, we sent you. Thanks again to No Judges Needed. You're really helping us out. Let's go into this new year together. Sure, all everyone. right. I just Every- noticed the tie, by the way, Kev. That was pretty impressive. <laughs> I, I literally, I would right when you started, he's wearing a tie, and now you tied it in. I appreciate. Oh yeah, that. no, it's just like it's 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 you. Well, this guy that we brought on, uh, how can you? What can we say about him? We love him. He one is, of my favorites. He's one of my he's, hometown he's got a PhD, a PhD, a hometown hero, PhD, a judo black belt, Olympian, uh, ADCC vet. You know, there's only one guy we're talking about, and on top of that, all, all that. We might even get him to talk about that story about how he walked into the gym cold one day and Ice first squat at 495. You know him. You love him. <laughs> 495, Mr. Our doctor, Mr. Doctor. Not, there's no Mr. here. Dr. Roddy Ferguson. Dr. Ferguson, <laughs> welcome back to the show. How are you doing? <laughs> hey, what's going on, man? I Listen, I appreciate it, man. Happy New Year, man. I, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be uh, on the first podcast of 2021. Fantastic. I mean, well, it, we thought it was going to be a smooth start to the year. Wasn't. Mm-hmm. We beefed that pretty hard. And so we're like, what do our guests want to see that will make them feel better? Yeah, and the obvious, I, the obvious I, answer is Dr. I, Ferguson. I think it was a smooth start to the year. I think that every year should, should start with a bang and with some excitement. And I think that's what we had in the United States. I think we had some excitement. And the one thing that we have to respect and honor is we got to respect and honor people's commitments. I know I had the conversation with my um, practitioners at the dojo when I told them, I said, hey, man, you have to remove your emotions from the situation. And you have to look at the people's investment. There's some people who got in a, they got in a plane, they got in a the car, they spent gas, they got a hotel, they got food, and they, they stood up for something that they believed in. And albeit that we may not have agreed with the methods or the modality in which they did it, we have to agree that their commitment is something that we can look at and and see what we can put inside of our own lives. Like what are we committed to in terms of improving our relationships? What are we committed to in terms of improving our judo? What are we committed to in terms of improving our jujitsu? What are we committed to in, in terms of improving things in our personal or financial life? And we have to look at having that level of commitment, but channeled in what we believe is the right way so that we can start our new year off the correct way. 
And I think, man, we look at it like that, man, and we leave it there and let's jump in. It really, it really is true. There's a good, it's a positive spin to put on it on a, on a fairly dark period. If you ever see a pile of shit and you put some sugar on it, it's now sugar coated shit. Sugar coated shit, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. I, one thing you say about the human spirit, it's amazing the level of commitment sometimes people when you have to at least come in the fact that they they stood through, they, they they made it happen, you know. I mean, I, I will have to I gotta say that's probably one of the most eloquent positive takes on what is a fairly dark situation. And I, I have to one, I want to thank you for giving us that because I, I think it's important to look at things from a bunch of different viewpoints. But do you find that you're you're academic background helps you sort of break down really hot button issues like that you know and the, um, do, do you draw your do you draw, draw on that training at all for sure because of the the engineering degree and the the critical thinking and to look at things from the standpoint of what what's called the hegelian dialectical where you look at the thesis and the antithesis in order to develop synthesis so if i don't believe what you believe that doesn't mean that what you believe is wrong. It just means that you believe opposite than what I believe. And I need to find the, the within the, I guess, I guess the conceptual Venn diagram of the two different thought processes. I got to find out where or what do we overlap on that I can take and I can synthesize for my overall personal and betterment. So you might believe in blue. I might believe in green. And we have to find out where we can come up with that nice ocean color. You understand what I'm saying? So we can find some beachfront property because we all agree that beachfront property is good. So let's go invest in that. That's, that's you know, that's interesting. And, and it actually kind of ties into maybe some of the, the, the current situation we're talking about. We talk about that element of critical thinking. Do you believe that there are certain points when someone's own point of view becomes counterproductive to the truth? based upon their own critical analysis. Like you can take something and criticize it and you have a preconceived notion of a direction you'd like to reach. And yes, you can base it up with fact. And yes, you can spew the results into your own, into your own opinion to help base, base up your thesis or back up your thesis. Do you believe that sometimes they take it too far? I believe that people take it too far because they don't have the, the practice, the practical part of the, the thesis and the antithesis conundrum they don't have the practical part and what i mean by the practical part so in judo and jujitsu you can come to the table kevin and you can believe what it is you want to believe you can believe takedowns don't matter you can believe that butt scooting is the way to go you can believe you can believe what you want to believe i can come to the table and believe i i can slam you i can pick you up and throw you to the floor and knock you out you can say i've never seen anybody knocked out from the throw i don't believe that shit blah blah blah, blah. we have the opportunity in our sport and our different sports, and, and both sports, in judo and jujitsu. If you want to take your radical belief system, you can take your radical belief system, you can bring it right inside the dojo and right on the mat, and you know what you'll find out? You'll find out very quickly your shit doesn't work. That's why, yeah, right. we, talked about, that's why we talked about before when you brought me on the, on the podcast to talk today about the importance of judo and jujitsu in today's society. It's because we have people who, I don't mind you running your mouth. I don't mind you having your own belief system. I don't mind you having a far left or a far right thing, but you can't have your thing and not allow it to be tested. It has to be tested. If your thing comes up wanting, 
then we can't go with your thesis. Case in point, it doesn't matter what I think about, what Kevin V thinks about, what Kevin Gallagher thinks about. We live, we live in the United States of America. We have an issue or a problem. We take it to the judicial system. The judicial system decides whether it was good, bad, or, or, and they make a ruling on it. We have to accept what they say. We go forward. Kevin and I go on the mat. We fight in a no-gi contest, whether it's ADCC or no judges needed or NAGA, whatever the rule set is, we get done with the rule set. Kevin wins. I can't get off the mat, walk over to him, slap him in the face and be like, hey, man, I think you cheated in there and I don't like what the fuck you did. It doesn't work out like this. It doesn't work like that. I go over to Kevin. I shake his hand. I appreciate him for showing up for bringing everything that he brought to the table, for operating inside of the of the rule set that we agree to as practitioners, as Americans, or as practitioners. And then we go on and then either we come back four years later or two months later or three months later, and then we fight again. That's right. And I that's one of the things that I always find the most beautiful about BJJ and one of the things that I have, you know, I taught some private lessons today and talked to a couple of my clients today. They told me this in very similar terms that this is so great because it's an opportunity for them to escape the madness of the world. That, you know, there's a certain beauty in the simplicity of fighting. You know, there's two, two men on the mat. Doesn't matter what your point of view is. It doesn't matter what facts you use. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. One person's going to win and one person's going to lose. And the, at that moment, that's all that matters. And one person is going to win and one person is going to lose. Right. And the beautiful thing about sport, and that's why I tell all parents who are listening, man, allow your kids to practice a sport and don't let them quit. Come up with a defined period of time. You try it for 12 months. You try it for six months. I think anything less than six months is too, too little. You try it for a season. You let them do the thing. Do not let them quit. If they sit the bench, you allow them to sit the bench. There are times in life when you will not start, when you will not be the best, when you will not be number one. You need to go through those particular times too. Let your kids win, allow them to lose, let them lose with grace and allow them to win with grace and let them know there will be winners and there will be losers and we don't need participation trophies. Understanding how to lose and the benefits of losing gracefully is something that gets taught in sport. That's what we said. There's educative value in sport. You have to do sport as a society. They know they knew this all the way back to ancient Africa and ancient Greece and ancient Rome. The the importance of competition and understanding how to lose. Just imagine, man, if we're on the playground and every time I play with you, Kevin, and I win and you say I cheated. What happens? No, seriously. Listen, that's happened. That happens on the playground. And then kids, they say, I don't want to play with you anymore. That's it. I can tell you this, man. If you and I go outside and we do a boxing match on ice, you can't be like, man, I slipped. That's right. You because the, the ice it, it, it was icy for me, too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, of course, 100%. You had, the same, you had the same. You had the same obstacles to overcome that I did. The same. Right. The same. So let me let me ask you a question based upon that too. I obviously we understand you're a very intelligent man. You have an advanced degree. I myself do not have an advanced degree, but what I have noticed throughout my life is that my pursuit of martial arts onto the higher level has changed my critical thinking and improved it, and it's carried over into my everyday life. 
explain to us a little bit about how the what the similarities between your advanced uh, educational background and the critical thinking developed from martial arts kind of coincide. Same, same. It's it's one hundred percent the same. It's just society has a different level of acceptance for advanced degrees, and that's changing over a period of time um, than it does currently for the acquisition of the black belt in a in an art form. I don't care if it's Aikido or karate or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, even Taekwondo at some points or some levels. When you go through the standard canon of a martial arts system, you are going to learn how to think critically, especially if you are competing. If you just go through those particular systems and you just learn the kata and you just learn the forms, you are not going to get the same thing. Why? Because you don't have that competitive antithesis in front of you to make quality decisions. There's, not, there's, a, there's deliberate practice in the decision gates too. When Kevin and I roll with each other, we're presenting each other with different systems. I have what I want to do. He has what he wants to do. We get gridlocked in some particular points. And then the decision gate is at that particular situation. We have to decide, I'm trying to go left. He's trying to go right. If I go here, then if this decision A creates 1A, 1B, 1C, this creates 2A, 2B, 2C, then I need to make a decision when I get to the next roadblock or the next decision gate. The critical thinking skills that are developed in a combat sport when the when the end result is pain or discomfort is very different the critical situation helps your critical thinking learning how to think under the duress of physical the, the danger duress, because that the critical situation creates the critical thinking this is why it's very difficult for parents to understand nor do i think that children at a, a very young age should have to deal with this. Um, but those parents of, of those children who want to be elite level athletes, once they hit the age of 15, 16, 17, the type of practices that they get in when they're getting choked and they're getting submitted and it's happening over and over again. And then sometimes the instructor's not honoring the first tap because I, no, no, I'm not, I'm not honoring your first tap. Because you need to take that time trying to decide how to get out, not trying to take that time to decide how to tap. Because as your level increases, that moment that you think that you're getting ready to go to sleep, that moment that you tap, you can use that last kick to get out and thus get out. But you're afraid that you're going to go to sleep. So then you tap. So then there's there's the, there's, there's the deliberate practice in, in the thinking or the time slice or the, the decision gate of how do I make an appropriate decision and when do I know if and when I can get out? And I can't mimic that unless I get you all the way to that point that doesn't look good to parents. Right. But it's a true situation that happens at the higher levels. And if I'm training you for the higher levels, I can't wait till you get to the higher level to train you. We need to know now if you're a fucking pussy or <laughs> if you can handle it. But we need to know that now. We don't need to know that after a fifty, eighty thousand dollar a year investment. If we you were looking for if you were looking for the, the soft uh touch this episode. <laughs> no, sorry, nothing not nothing soft it. touch about Roddy Ferguson. We have a judo <laughs> Olympian. I, yeah, he is <laughs> tougher than granite. He just yeah. does not give a shit. I don't listen, and, and I don't. I, when I was younger, I did. When I'll be forty-six this year, I give a fuck about what you think about me. I had one guy tell me, "Well, you know, uh, you know, some people don't like you." I mean, I don't give a fuck. Right. What are you talking about? 
So what? There's a who doesn't like you? Wait, wait, wait. who doesn't like you? I want to know. <laughs> he couldn't tell me. He just said some people don't like me. That's some bullshit. Some Everyone loves you, Ronnie. <laughs> listen, I, listen, I'm I'm sure some people don't like me, but I'm too old to give a shit. You reach that point, you don't care. Anymore. And I I understand my parents now. My parents don't give a shit. My parents do what they, they my parents don't care about my opinion. <laughs> so one one more one more ask one more question about that. I kind of was thinking about what one of the directions I was wanting to go. And I, I love what you said, but I was curious about them. So, you know, I have I just got my professor stripes I've been black about four years. And you know, I say that in regards to I consider Thank you, sir. What, what degree now? Well, it's we, you know, we run a different with Gracie, so I just got my professor stripe, so I haven't got my first, my first, uh, first degree, but it's four years as a black belt. I've, I've been now. Normally, it would be okay. a first degree, but we do it, you know, we do it differently. We the white, white bar, then the red bar. I've got the two professor right. stripes at the end of my red bar now. Right. But the context I bring that up in is is the fact that. You know, as I've been a black belt in teaching, you know, I teach private lessons all day long. I teach classes all day long. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy because what I've noticed is that the advancement of my jujitsu comes way more from the insightful thought process of breaking down techniques and breaking down moves and therefore making them easier for people to understand and digest than I do from my own application of the techniques most of the time. Um, tell me how that correlates to again of an advanced oh, uh, educational that, degree. That happens now, right? That didn't happen before. No, no. no on a certain on a certain it, level, nowhere it, near the level it is now. It could have, but right. it could have, but your your youth would not allow it. Right, right. <laughs> because you can't go as much now that I have now. So let me say this. So there is a. There's a there's a there's a, a life cycle as it pertains to what we call the acquisition of knowledge or expertise. Everybody starts out as a what we call a practitioner. You go out to the playground, you play kickball, you're not reading no kickball rules, you're not studying kickball theory, you fucking you don't give a fuck about the, the thickness of the rubber of the ball, you don't give a fuck about none of that. You go out, you play kickball. Everybody starts out as a practitioner. The white belt who comes in starts out as a practitioner. Then as you do the sport and you advance, you become what's called a practitioner scholar. Now you're practicing, you're getting on YouTube, you're looking up shit, trying, you don't know what you're looking up. You bring it in the dojo and the instructor says, don't do that shit. Do what I taught you. <laughs> you, know, you, get, you go through this, you go through this, this practitioner scholar, and then you get good. And then what happens is your ability to do things starts to decrease. Physically, you begin to you you start getting nicked up, little meniscus tear, shoulder doesn't go back as far, little arthritis, start getting older, the process of maturity. So you have to study more. All of us have been hurt. When you get hurt, then you study more than you practice. So you start morphing yourself into what's called a scholar practitioner, no longer practitioner scholar. And then you get old where you can't practice as much anymore, and you move yourself all the way to just a scholar. Now you get to the point where you're a scholar, so you're now you're studying, studying, studying. And as a scholar, you begin now teaching more, which is what Kevin's talking about. So when you look at the, the academic process and you go all the way to the to the PhD, the PhD or, or, and the doctoral side, most of those degrees are what we call their, their theoretical degrees, philosophical approaches, where we look at framework and how things are done. So you get to the black belt level in, in jujitsu 
and you look back on all the shit that you did before and you were like, I don't need all of that shit. So all of that shit was cool, but fuck, I need to learn how to frame. This is when you start thinking about frames. You say, you know what? The guard in and of itself is a frame. The half guard is a frame. The X guard, De La Hiva, those are really all frames that stop people from penetrating and passing. So I need to learn how to build the layer of framing to create my guard housing. Then you start looking at passing. You say, okay, now I need to open and then break down these layers of framing. Now you no longer think about moves anymore because now you're thinking along conceptual framework. So moves don't, you don't even get involved in moves anymore. You think about the De La Hiva framework, the butterfly guard framework, the closed guard framework, the half guard framework, and then the moves don't mean shit. And people say, well, can you show me that? You, Kevin, you have forgotten more fucking submissions. <laughs> like I, I, some people it tried to explain to me some shit and I was like, show, show me what you're talking about. And then I have to, yeah, by me again. it's there somewhere. You just it's got, you it's got somewhere. It, you I just got, I got, I got to go through. It's like, I got to go through the crates, man, to find the right album. Like, oh. <laughs> you just go into the, the the <laughs> it's like going into that warehouse where they have the Ark of the Covenant and Indiana Jones. You're just like, what shelf is it on? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know it's in here somewhere. <laughs> And then, you, and then you get so old, you got to be like, okay, I can't think about this shit. Do it to me. Show it to me. It's, okay, I got it. And then you can, you can give it to him. It's because you've moved all the way into the realm of a, of a scholar. The thing that we, the reason why we have these, these crazy discussions online are because you're meeting everybody in a different space. You're meeting the white belt when they're a practitioner. You're meeting the blue purple belt when they're a practitioner scholar. You're meeting the brown belt and the beginning black belt when they're scholar practitioners. You're meeting the two, three, four, five, six stripe black belt when they're when they're scholars. So that's why something that that Hicks and Gracie will say now doesn't resonate with a blue belt. Well, they'll disrespect what Hickson says. But because but they 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 fell in love with the Hickson that they saw on video when Hickson was still a what a practitioner. A practitioner. Right. Hickson is now a scholar. Hickson doesn't give a shit about your De La Hever and your upside down <laughs> guard and your bear. He doesn't give a shit about that. Hickson is teaching what we theoretical jujitsu now. Well, do you think that that same kind of criticism where there's a lack of respect applies to someone like Donaher? Because I feel like Donaher really came into his own as a theoretical jujitsu like philosopher, more so than when he was competing. You know, he he was he's made his bones as the the Professor X, the guy that sits and explains and pontificates rather than the guy who's winning ADCCs and and you know, do do you, do you think that it's the same or or do you think it's a little different? Oh man, he's thinking. He's thinking. We're gonna get a big hunk of knowledge now. <laughs> you got a sip of coffee. Oh man, how much coffee you drink today, Roddy? <laughs> My third cup. Third ah. cup. This is the most quiet this podcast has been in, a, in 80 plus episodes. This is the most tense situation. I'm not gonna edit any of it out. I'm just gonna. <laughs> 
Danaher is a very interesting character in the jujitsu community. And I say that because I've been around for years. I've been around when individuals have known my name and I didn't know Danaher's name. And I've been around now where people know Danaher's name and they don't know my name. I also know people in the community who are very good, just like Danaher. Danaher's presentation and his accent <laughs> allow him to sit in a seat that I believe has been quasi gifted to him and one that I think that he can sit in because he's shown that he deserves to sit there. I, I, I can respect that. I can understand that. I will just back that up because I, there's parts of me that, Agree the same with you. Like, there's Janaher is a is a, is a very intelligent man. There's no bones about that. He's, 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 he's an intelligent guy. I, I, I would he's not... got a doctorate for some, some. I think he's got a doctorate. I think, now he, I think, he, left, I think he left before he got his graduate degree. Yeah, I don't he think. He, he... Yes, I, I'm telling you this. I have not heard anything that Danaher has said that I personally don't say myself. I haven't heard anything that he said that is incorrect either. Right. I find him to be a quality instructor and a great professor. And he's dedicated the entirety of his life to, to, to yeah, martial arts. Dedicated to it. I yeah. also know other people who are like that who don't sit in that seat. Right. And, you know, and there's a very large degree of debate that you could put towards the fact that you know, when you're living in the world of Spartans and you happen to hit gold a few times, it's is it is it really that much yeah, more? Yeah. You know, he's I, he's I, in Manhattan. You imagine the amount of talent and the amount of athletic ability that he's run through working with Henzo Gracie in New York City. You know, I'll tell you this: if I, I had that much talent, would I have been able to do the same? Or yourself, if you had that degree of talent to work with, you would. I, would I, you be I don't know. I, I tell you this: I won't. I won't shit on what Danaher has done because that's not fair to Danaher. Um, what he's done is remarkable. Right. I also, okay, however you feel about him doesn't matter to me, all right? It's a controversial name, it's cool with me. I love everybody. I have. I don't hate or dislike anybody. I love everybody. No matter if I get along with, I don't get along with Rob Khan all the time. I love Rob Khan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no one gets along with Rob Khan all no, the time. I don't, I don't agree with Rob all the time. I love Rob. I love him. I have been taught by, learned from, heard from, seen, watched Lloyd Irvin for years. I've watched Danaher. On, I haven't sat on the Danaher, but I watched Danaher on video. I've, I've watched. I've watched him. He has a lot of. He, he probably has a lot more instructional material out. Than Lloyd does because Lloyd's not putting out his instruction stuff unless you pay him. Right. That's just how he, that's just how it goes. Is Danaher's Matt level IQ and genius close to Lloyd's? 
Mm-mm. <laughs> I know. Not, yeah, I, know I, I, I wouldn't even. He wouldn't even be able to sit on the same block or in the same city. Right. I. You know. That, and, and 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 it's and that's not that's not that's no disrespect to Danaher. Danaher is he's he's a great instructor. It's like it's like me, man. I'm not as I'm not as smart as the guy teaching at MIT <laughs> in some stuff, and it's okay. Right. I'm I'm perfect for my people. You know one one thing that I will say about about John, and and this is something that like you can relate to, is that I really appreciate the fact that you know before it was cool to do so. I'm talking prior to Robert Drysdale's new book, Opening Close Guard. Again, if you haven't read it, I know you've talked to Robert a few times. I'm sure you've read the book by now. It's amazing. Um, Danaher was really the first person at the forefront of truly not the first person, but one of the the people that really popularized the idea of judo and jujitsu being one in the same. He popularized the new edition of sin using terms like Ashi and going back to traditional Japanese names. Let me, let me give you this history. Okay. For the people watching, because people don't know this. All right. Let me, let me, let me, this is in, in North America. This is the United States of America. Let me tell you this. Okay. We get, caught up in what's new or what's going on today in today's society because of the internet and because of the propagation of information or material that happens rapidly. The first person, okay, in in the United States that really created the fusion of judo and jujitsu was Daniel Camarillo on a high on a high level. And then it was his brother, David Camarillo. David came through at a higher level, was an A-level ranked judo player internationally, and was a high-level practitioner in judo. Excuse me, in, in jiu-jitsu. David Camarillo. During that same time, I was practicing jujitsu. I started practicing jujitsu in 1998. And another individual during that time, I think a year before, who is an Olympian, who is the, I think he's the highest ranked person in the world who is also, who is a judo and jujitsu black belt. It's a guy by the name of Tamak Johnston Ono. Tamak is an Olympian and also a Brazilian jujitsu black belt. I think he's either fourth or fifth degree right now. After Tamont Johnson Ono, it is then Roddy Ferguson in terms of the propagation of and the fusion of judo and jiu-jitsu inside of the United States. The practitioners of judo during that time that were also doing um, jiu-jitsu at a high level inside of the United States were myself, There was one other person. There was Tamak Johnson. Oh no, and there's one other person at a lower level, the high level. Oh, what is his name? He beat Mike Fowler. Pellegrino? No. Oh my gosh. He was a he, he beat Mike Fowler. He's out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I don't know why I can't remember his name right now. But on a lower level, there was Lord Urban. There was B.J. Penn. Um, in the United States, who also who are high level BJJ practitioners who are also doing judo. All right, there were a couple of them like that, but not 
people who are high level on both sides. And then from that particular fusion, you have the, the, the movement of the Olympians of, of Rick Hahn, who's a U.S. Olympian, who's also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. You have the St. Ledger brothers who are high level judo practitioners who are also BJJ black belts who practice at uh, Henzo's who are under um, uh, Danaher as well. Then you have Travis Stevens, who's a BJJ black belt, high level, and also a, a judo Olympian. But the, the fusion of the judo and the jiu-jitsu originally started in the United States with Daniel Camarillo popularizing it with his brother David. Now, the utilization of the terms started a while ago. Because we have the internet, we know about Danaher. What I appreciate about Danaher is Danaher has the, the, the level of respect to teach people the appropriate terms and not call techniques the wrong thing. He understands that what you what he is doing is judo in and of itself, period. I, I have a, a brief thing I'd love to ask you about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just because we see from guys like Chris Howder and, you know, Ed Bravo that a big part of jujitsu in America has been taking these terms or positions that didn't have specific names maybe in the in the former hierarchy like in the brazilian hierarchy or because people didn't understand portuguese chris howder would stat would call things like combat base and other terms and eddie bravo would come up with new names for for chokes that fit into his own so system the combat base is called jigotai yeah <laughs> yeah i couldn't understand though combat base works better <laughs> you, so so do you think that there's no need for the changing do you think that there's no let me let me pull rank and let me stop kevin here no <laughs> base doesn't sound better combat base sounds easier right yeah so i mean and it's easier to remember but i guess in in the grand scheme of things is you know jujitsu isn't easy anyway judo isn't easy to eat here so why not learn the proper here's the thing this is this is my thing so combat base great okay and i go to germany and teach it right <laughs> Exactly. Then they're gonna have their own thing. And one of, one of the things, one of the things that drives Dale's biggest criticisms when he talks about the formation of jujitsu, you know, what we consider to be Brazilian jujitsu, and Drysdale even calls it goes on so far as to call it Brazilian oh, speaking judo. Speaking of which, real quick, have you have you read any of the uh, of the book that Drysdale put out? Like Drysdale, uh, yeah, copy of yeah, he's been on his podcast. They've guys, they've talked about it a few different. Oh uh, yeah, awesome. So the 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 point i'm trying to make is that when when you talk about the one of the things that drysdale's biggest uh critique of the advancement of jujitsu into you know where it is now is that lack of cohesion and part of the lack of cohesion is because like i call a technique a different thing that he calls a technique a different thing and there's that lack of the formality that the ancient uh you know the judo art has now one of the reasons, one of the other things he says that makes that a strength, and I found this kind of interesting, one of the things I think makes jujitsu as amazing as it is, is that, you know, yes, where we're lacking in the traditional aspects of, you know, this is the way Master Kano showed it, so this is the way it has to be done no matter what, the same throw, the same techniques, the same movements, this is how it works, this is what functions, is that with that lack of formality in the jujitsu curriculum, there was this free thinking environment that allowed it to evolve in an organic manner. Kevin, the same thing happened as judo. It's, it's the same. 
Yeah, Jujitsu is just an iteration behind. It's the same thing happens on the on the competitive level of judo. Here's the here's the thing. Jujitsu, not you're gonna understand. You're gonna understand Hicks and Gracie, the people who are listening. You're gonna understand Hicks and Gracie a lot better when I tell you this. Judo has kata for a reason. The root of judo has to remain immovable. Branches can go, fruit can drop off, other things can grow, jujitsu can grow, but the root of judo has to maintain the same. And kata, well, I don't like kata. I'm not a kata fan, but there are certain people who have. Kata has to maintain itself so that the root stays the same. Otherwise, what happens in in the in the in the flow of the free thinking, you get the old school versus new school argument, or you get I don't train in the gi anymore because there's no you know there's no gi on the street. And that, those things <laughs> have nothing to do with anything because a martial art has a uniform to it just 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 like the military has uniforms so there's still a, a there's a place for the branches and the offshoots and the fruit and the new seeds but the root has to maintain itself when it comes to brazilian jiu-jitsu which is really old old school judo at, at its core it was still created to be a a martial art for self-defense. Hickson, Hickson is not preaching self-defense because he doesn't agree with the new school competitors. He's preaching self-defense because if you do not preserve that part of jujitsu, jujitsu morphs and changes every 10 to 15 years. And if it does that, it doesn't, it doesn't have anything. When you look back at a case in point, you look right now at an old school as as um Drysdale would say, pre two thousand jujitsu match, it looks nothing like jujitsu today, does it? No, no. Oof. So when you look at a old school, even two thousand pre two thousand judo match, it looks nothing like judo does today either. But the kata of judo is the same. The foundations, the fundamentals. It's the same. When somebody walks into a judo school, they will learn the same foundational stuff. When somebody walks into a jiu-jitsu school, the foundational techniques are different for every school. Like some people tell me when they want to, they say, oh man, when I came to school, I learned leg locks from day one. <laughs> well, that, so, that some is people a, a problem with it. Some people don't. Yeah, that's a movement we've been seeing more of. We talked about it with... Uh, uh, Jay Ruggelbudo a few episodes ago, and that it's that the the style of coaching jujitsu has changed for a lot of people. Where instead of going through from point A to point B in the way that it's traditionally been done, they'll skip right to things you will see in competition. You know, you'll be going over very specific situations that appear very more often than not, like things you can rely on happening. And I I would love as as Someone with a very different point of view, I would love to get your thoughts on like just skipping to the good stuff moreover. Like, do you think that there's value in that for an art to grow, or is it important to cover a wider range? So here's the thing. It's cool to coach. 
it's cool to teach. You're going to learn a lot of things from coaching and teaching. I, you've been, Kevin, you've been coaching for a long time. You've been teaching, you teach private. You, you learn more now, you know more now than you did three, four years ago about teaching, which is why it takes so long before you get your instructor stripes, right? I had the opportunity to, I've been teaching and coaching since 2001, all right, when I first started coaching at University of Maryland Strength and Conditioning, and then I was assistant coach at Towson State University for Strength and Conditioning. Um, I got my Master's of Arts in teaching. I got a PhD in education, two years, seven years, nine years. Getting on the match, getting on the mat and coaching and teaching based on based upon what you believe and what you've seen um, on an anecdotal anecdotal level is cool. I it has an enormous amount of value. But then there's a level of understanding how people learn, learning styles, conceptual framework, the benefit of a, a standard canon of education, understanding curriculum, curriculum development, understanding uh, spiraling teaching techniques, and how, how best to create a competitor or a practitioner for long-term value. And I, I think some of these things aren't looked at when somebody walks into a facility, case in point. What Kevin knows now and what I know now about what somebody needs to do to practice jujitsu in their 80s is very different than what we knew 10 years ago. You're not going to see two 80-year-olds on the mat sitting back and, and attacking each other's legs. It's not going to happen. Why? It's not going to happen because they can't move like that anymore. At its core, jujitsu and judo are self-defense arts. What we do off of the art in order for sport to occur, th those things are anomalies inside of the matrix. <laughs> Sh should we teach those things? Yes, we should. We should teach those things to people who have the intent or the intention to compete. They say, well, I don't know if the person wants to compete or not when they come in my place. Great. So then teach them as if they're not going to compete. And then if they show promise as if they do want to compete, then they'll have the foundational base to compete. Kevin had this happen to him. I had this happen to me. We got all the way up to about brown belt, black belt, and then had to go back and pick up the shit that we didn't fucking know because we didn't do it because we were so focused on competing. <laughs> true. It's very true. It's the truth. It's the truth. Very to the true. point, I had to go back. I got with a guy by the name of Dustin Dennis, who fucking made me feel like a white belt when I was a black belt because I didn't know any fucking thing that I needed to know. Right. I was just good at competing. I was good at winning. I was good. So I got to the point where when it was time for me to be a black belt and teach, I can only teach what I did. So I get on the mat and say, you know, I like doing this technique like this. And I like, well, fuck, man, the way you do it and what you do that's good for you or your body or your style, that's not standard jujitsu. That's what you did. Now, if you're doing a seminar, great. But when it's time, when your vat is filled and it's time for you to pour back into the community, you need to fucking pour back some fucking value. And you can't get inside of a place or a facility and start teaching six, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, hey, man, we're going to sit back and do a leg lock. So as a as a competitor, someone that's 
clearly a way higher, higher level club competitor than, you know, probably most of the people we ever had on the show. And to be an Olympian is, is, you know, another, another level of success that, you know, a vast majority of the world will never come close to understanding. Um, tell me a little bit about what you feel in your mindset as a competitor. When I, and I, and, and I mean that in terms of what your go-to moves are, the things that you focus on, the things that are your bread and butter, the things that are the things that you work on that you know are going to work in a very high success rate versus your goals for training to try to learn maybe some aspects of the game that aren't necessarily in your skill set or might necessarily be things that you continue to go for. And, and when you're competing – are those things that are of lesser value to you or maybe not as appropriate to you even in the concept of things you might try whereupon if one of those things was to happen to materialize during a, during a competition, would you attempt to try it or would you stick to things that you know are your, your strengths? Okay, so it's a good question because I'm in the process of considering – Coming out of retirement this year to do a few matches. Oh, cool. Let me know. We'll make it happen, baby. I'll figure something. I'll, I'll find something for you whenever you want. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, hey, I don't well, want no hey. part of you. No, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I didn't mean it. I, I'm not. There it is. Calling Roddy Ferguson live on Facebook. You were right. here first, I, I, to everybody. I admit, like, Kevin Gallagher I throws down the gauntlet. Yeah, I know you have to people. We can make it happen. <laughs> um, I mean, there's some fun matches that that I that I'm, I really would like to do. And I, I talked to a couple of people about getting some stuff done. Right. Um, and with that being said, that's, that's a great question, because right now I feel like I'm starting all over again. So I'm in the I'm in the point right now where. I'm older, so do I want to learn 50 million techniques? Like As a matter of fact, I had to call David Canis because I, I need I need to practice with David first because he's light and he's fast, right? All right, but I, I got it. I'm using this month to get in shape. Um, 90 minutes of cardio a day. I, I lifted for like 20 weeks last year, and then I'm easing my way in. And I, I got on, I got on my schedule to call Kevin too, so I can roll around too, because he's a little bit heavier. Whatever you want. Let's then, roll around. I love you. I, I'm looking for an excuse to come out and see you, and I keep saying I'm no, going to do it. Then I got, I have to make my way down to. I got to go down to Miami, and I got to roll, roll with Cyborg. I got to. Right. I got you. I got to get smashed and talk, killed. Talk about it. Talk about one of the old, like the last white rhino that's making an absolute terror of it. Like he ended, he ended twenty twenty with as one of the most dominant grapplers in the scene. He was just beating everybody. He's he's phenomenal and he's remarkable, and he and he really knows his craft, and he's really up to date on the new stuff. And yep. to to answer Kevin's question, man, I'm like the old school Terminator. I don't I don't know some of the new stuff because I'm stuck in this cycle of if you've ever met a kindergarten teacher, all right, they're the worst people to talk to. I mean, <laughs> it's not like you're talking to a kid because they talk to kids all day. So adults who teach kindergartners for five, 10, 15 years, they don't realize that they talk, they talk, hey, so would you like some, would you like some lemonade, Kevin? We don't want no lemonade, motherfucker. I mean, <laughs> put a little whiskey in it, maybe we can talk. You know, but but they they have a, they have a certain cadence and a style that they speak in because that's what they used to doing all the time. We're used to coaching and teaching beginners a lot, unless you have privates, unless you have a a dojo like like Henzo's where you're teaching high level people all the time. You get to see different stuff. I'm I got white belts and yellow belts 
all the time with a in judo and white belts and maybe a, a few greens on the jujitsu side with the attrition happening at the blue belt level where they leave. Right. You know, I had, some, I had some purple belts and then they leave. Right. You know, it, it just happens for, for an adult to stay with you 10, 12, 15 years. It's tough. So I get caught in this in this thing where my basics are fucking phenomenal. I mean, the, my basics of my basics of like when Kevin and I rolled, man, this, we, we're we're older guys. Basic movements, man. Right. Basic, basic. Ba I mean, tight, hard basics, too. Right, Kevin? Right. Yeah. right I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't bring it back up. I still get nightmares about your big ass on me for 30 you, minutes. <laughs> great basics, great sweet, great, great passes, right. because I don't I don't need the fancy stuff. I need to do the simple stuff with right. a high level of complexity and accuracy. Right. And there's a point where when you're training, you know that the, the process of winning is based upon me presenting you with a lock for which you don't have the key. If I get caught in a loop, a process loop that I don't know, it doesn't matter how good or how bad the other person is, I'm going to lose. So what when I, what I, let me, let, me, okay. let me say this. So there are process loops which that are inside of the no-gi framework that I don't know. There's just some that I don't know. Most of them occur if I'm on my back. Right. So then so what do you do? What what I was more interested in in the context of when you were in your prime, when you were when you were mm. Olympic athlete. Roddy Ferguson. So, like three when years you, ago, when you, yes, when you step on the <laughs> mat at the highest level of competition, does your game narrow down or broaden? No, oh, narrow, narrow, completely narrow, completely one hundred percent narrow. Myopic focus. Right. That's it's, 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 it's on the judo side. It's three to on the judo side. It's three to five moves and and standing and three to five moves on the ground. That's it. That's all anybody does at the world class yeah. level. That's do, do you mind? I've I I promised myself that I would have only one like trash answer, like trash question. That's like, come on, man, why'd you ask that? That's so stupid. And I like, cause like you're one of these figures that's lived such a life that I feel like I can ask stupid questions and get surprisingly interesting answers. And I know you love this guy, so I want I want to just throw this out to you. Okay, say you got DC, both like you and DC. In your prime, you've like just Olympic trials, both of you. You're both wearing geese. He's allowed to go for like leg takedowns. Who's, get, who's, getting, who's getting thrown first? DC is not going to beat DC in his prime is not going to beat me in a gi. And 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 DC and I in our prime, I'm not going to beat him without the gi. Okay. I you see, that's interesting because I thought maybe like I mean, there there it was there's even at the Olympic Training Center, there's no wrestler who's going to come into the, the judo area with world-class judo people with that level of high-level grip fighting, and, and they're not going to be able to make it through the grip fighting. Yeah. Oh, I meant like if you both had geese, but he's allowed to do like wrestling takedowns on you. Yeah. Remember when I was competing, there were double legs, fire legs. Oh, that's it true. Oh, my God. I forgot. Yeah. I was one of the best pickup people in the world when I was competing. Let let, let the adults talk again, Kev. <laughs> I, hey, I said, I've said said at the outset it was going to be a trash question. That's I'm messing with like, That's why. That's why I'm but, 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 but here's it's like thing. action figures. And I'm just like, no, oh, what if like. It's just like when people say. 
people, they, they, people say um, this that, that guy beat he beat Ishii the the Olympic gold medalist in uh, yeah, we'll oh Craig they, they were doing judo. It's like or was it Mason or I forget. It was yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's like it's like it's like the it's like if if a if a regular tennis player beats the Olympic gold medalist in ping pong and they play tennis and they right, say yeah. I beat the Olympic gold medalist yeah you beat him in tennis right he's a ping pong player give him a little racket it's like if Kevin sits down and plays Usain Bolt in chess and be like right. I beat the Olympic gold medalist in yes, chess yes. right exactly one hundred percent Usain Bolt may be an incredible chess player it's strictly for uh, for uh, right exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's make sure we it would not surprise me. He's just he watches the Queen's Gambit and he takes a week and he's like, Hey guys, I mastered chess now. I'm a chess like grandmaster. I do everything fast. I got one, I got one final that I think I gotta get going. I think I gotta get going. I got an appointment I gotta make up to. So but this is something that I was just curious, something that I in my mind have been beating around talking to Dave Kane is about a little bit, actually. And I'd rather have to have your uh, your opinions on it. So again, based upon uh Robert Drysdale's you know, research. I've drastically changed my mind away from the concept that BJJ and judo are two separate entities. It's vastly, 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 vastly <laughs> incorrect. I am very sorry for ever doubting you, <laughs> Dr. Ferguson. <laughs> I just, I, re- I, re- <laughs> that's great. I remember all the hate for everyone who did not drop the microphone. For everybody that did not go and catch it, I'm going to link below. The first time we had Dr. Ferguson on, we almost came to blows. I got to get the power line. That's great. Just in case you didn't get it. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. That's great. Thank whatever God you believe in. We, we, That's Old Testament, New Testament. Everything, <laughs> so my, my and, question. And, and, but Kevin, KB, what's funny is the white dude had to say it for him to believe. Yeah, the white guy had to tell me for You know, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> and listen, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> The guy, the guy with multiple postgraduate degrees. Ah, the Olympic, the Olympic judo practice. Ah, I don't know. The white guy says it. I'm good. The white guy writes a book, and I'm fine. No picture. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Right now, I now I believe you. Now I believe you. So, the point, the, the point I'm trying to ask is this: when we get to that, to that question. Now, it is undeniable that even though it is the same art form there were fractures that focused on standing elements and fractures that focused on on the ground fighting elements you know regardless of whatever rationale is behind it it's, it's obvious that it happened in that record tell me about how and a, a, a much more in-depth answer than just well you have to take the fight to the ground tell me about how the standing elements of judo, judo complete the circle of the sitting elements of jujitsu and forms of balancing, whatever whatever you feel like you need to include in that. Okay, so there. And why we as practitioners should focus on judo. Regular jujitsu actors should think about their judo to complete. Well, I, I think regular, regular, I think regular, I, w- I don't even call it, I need to do my judo. I think regular jujitsu practitioners need to practice all of jujitsu. Like the argument that they make, why well, why would I only practice the upper body and I practice the fuck, fucking ignoramuses. 
it's, it's the fucking logic to, to repeat some stupid shit. I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm, I got a scroll in the middle of the road thing going on right now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna break out of it. I just need a moment, Kevin. That's you're good. You're good, man. You're good. People say that shit. It just fucking drives me up a fucking wall. So you have to practice the 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 top part of the art just the same way you practice the bottom part of the art. Jujitsu is not a ground based art. Judo is not a standing art. They are grappling arts. Grappling happens standing and it happens on the ground. Now, there are, there's, there's really four elements of a, of any technique, no last one on the ground or if it's standing. There's the kumikata, which is the gripping, all right? There's the, the kazushi, which is the off-balancing. There's the sakuri, which is the entry of the technique. And there's kake, which is the completion of the throwing. Everything has this. A half-guard sweep has the placement of the hands, the kumikata. All right? Then it has the, uh, the kazushi, the off-balancing, when you rock forward or rock back or find a moment when the leg moves, you come in. A, all right. Then it has the sakuri when you enter in, into, and then it has the kake of how you complete and finish knee to the hip, high leg out, and then and then come on the side mount or mount or whatever. All of these elements exist in standing, and they exist on the ground. Now, the the way to marry the ground with the with the with the standing requires the understanding of what we call the transition. We don't practice a lot of transition in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because we we use wrestling instead of judo because a lot of people call it, go um, talk about do no gi and like no gi. So we say we have to work on your ability to scramble. Scrambling is a haphazard thing that Jiu-Jitsu got from wrestling. If you really look at like some videos from Ben Askren, you understand that the scramble is not random. The, scram the scramble is order, but if you do not have enough standing to ground transition, then you don't have the deliberate practice of marrying how to go from the standing position into the submission. What happens is jujitsu practitioners, because they because we, we have rules in jujitsu where you can't slam, they end up putting themselves in situations that are not great situations for self-defense, nor great situations if rule sets are changed because they don't learn how to throw, learn how to fall, or respect the impact from a throw. Just like strikes change if you do half guard or not in MMA, like the sport half guard and the MMA half guard is totally different. We've seen very few people do half guard in MMA successfully. One of the best to ever do half guard in MMA is a guy by the name of Noguera. Noguera had one of the best half guards in MMA. Most Dam people. Damian Maya hashtag is pretty good too, but we'll get. He's we'll, pretty oh, good. We'll give you that. We'll give you that and, and and Damian Maya was able to refine it because Noguera took a fucking beating doing it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, the the beauty of the simplicity of those two jujitsu at that high of a level was is. Fantastic, but I'm and, sorry. And another guy, and another guy who's in a who's a distant second, but very, very good in the MMA context was Jeff Munson. At, yeah. at, with deep half and half guard in MMA. Okay. Now it changes because of strikes. 
if you don't practice the jujitsu with the strikes, you don't know what jujitsu actually is effective in self-defense. If you don't practice jujitsu from the standing position along with the throws, you do not understand how to transition. The, the, the importance of training stand-up, okay, main reason is so that you develop local muscular endurance in the legs. What happens is the, the jiu-jitsu practitioner gets very tired when they have to stand up because they're not used to using their legs. And when you get tired, what's the first thing you do? You go to the neural pathway that you've created, which is the most efficient for you. So the first thing they do is pull what? Guard. Pull guard and sit down. Now you pull guard and you sit down because you believe that you have the best option when you're in the guard. Depending on the rule set, if the person can pick you up and slam you or pick you up and pass, all right, then you caught yourself in what we call in my dojo and a have mercy situation. When you scream, <laughs> Lord, have mercy. I, I did not to interrupt you. I know we're running out on time and uh, I think this would be a really fun, fun way to button it up. But Chris Howder, we had him on. And I know like uh, he's repurposed a lot of terms, but he also had some, he said something that's sort of resonates a lot with what you're saying. And that's that a lot of the pitfalls that people fall prey to and er like early in their jujitsu nature is failing to resist what he called the seductive nature of guard. You know, you, you learn so many attacks from the guard, you learn how to attack like and, and defend yourself in the guard and move that it feels like that's where you need to be. And, P and he says people fail to realize that it is a, if you end up there situation, you shouldn't be hoping to end up. Called guard like, for a reason because it's a yeah. defensive position. You, you, well, like you, pull, you pull guard because in your belief, you believe that per the SWOT analysis that you have in your mind, you, are, you have more strengths than that person does in this particular position. You believe if I pull guard, I can beat this person here, but I cannot beat this person standing. So that you pull guard. The problem that that I see with jujitsu is that jujitsu has this element where if I walk out and you slap five with me and you touch me and you sit down, that it's my responsibility to get down on the ground and not your responsibility to stand up. Whereas, whereas people in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu say the person who's standing up is running away from the fight. Right. I, I get that from a very strategical martial art point of view, and it's definitely a fallacy in, in that regard. And I tell you what, I would counter you and say that it's not a strategy. It's a tactic. Interesting. It's a tactic that you use because the overarching strategy for anything is to win. Now, how you win is based upon that your the way that you apply the tactics to achieve the overarching strategy. The way that you apply the tactics have everything to do with the rule set. I think a shift in rule set would change everything. If you make one or two shifts in the rule sets for ADCC and BJJ, it immediately becomes what? judo judo <laughs> and there and 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 with that the circle takes the square <laughs> that is just about the most perfect place we could ever hope to end an episode with dr roddy ferguson 
Um, Dr. Ferguson, truly, thank you so much for your time. Um, and we know you've, it's very precious, but if you wanted to take this moment to shout out any sponsors or, or people you like or things you want to promote, uh, we would let, we'd love if you, if you shared anything you got coming down the pipe in terms of, uh, you know, whatever, man, whatever you got, anything you got going on. Um, let me say for the people who are watching this, when that, when you repeat it, okay. And I, I didn't say anything bad about, about John Danaher. Did you hear what Dr. Ferguson said about John Danaher? I didn't say shit about John Danaher. Roddy, Roddy, I don't think anyone would care one no, way. No, 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 but listen, 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 but, but, but listen, they, they, they are those type of people. I didn't say shit about John I don't know John Danaher. I said I, I like what he does on video. I think he's very good for the art and the sport. Um, I want to say this. I want to say this. For the people who are listening, all right, there there are many individuals out there who have some great information for you. I think that adding to the your particular buffet of knowledge acquisition is good for you to develop your palate when it comes to your jujitsu. I think that's important. With that being said, what I would like to serve you with are a couple of things. One, something called the Grip Fighting Academy that I've developed, which I've released in 2021. You can go to www.gripfighting.com. And there is a smorgasbord of great grip fighting material. There's 100 grip fighting uh, videos there for 100% absolutely free. I would also encourage you to go to www.newazaexcellence.com and put your email in. I have great Newaza information for you as, uh, as well there. We will go over how to destroy the turtle, how to choke people out, how to put them asleep, how to create an amazing amount of pressure so that your opponent will want to allow you to pass. Listen, this is Dr. Ferguson. I love you. And I want to sign off from a man, Kevin B., from a man, Kevin G., and from Ra D. Ah, oh, man. Like that. Dr. Ferguson has put both of us out of a job. Kid has just emailed <laughs> me saying he wants him to take over and that we're out on the street. And I don't even have a problem with that because, damn, he did That's it better than it. I could do in 100 million episodes. All right. Well, again, thank you, uh, Dr. Ferguson. Those links to Nawaza uh, and uh, Grip Fighting Academy will be down below if you want to go check them those out. If you want to see more articles from the Jiu-Jitsu Times, check it out down below too, as well as our affiliate link with uh, No Judges Needed. Go check them out. Go get yourself a fleet of new gear for the new year. Uh, this has been a great way to start Cyborg, you need to get yourself ready, Cyborg. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm bullshit. I'm bullshit. I'm bullshit. <laughs> I'm afraid you <laughs> entered the chat. <laughs> Right, he was ready to chat, right? <laughs> Think well, and with that, we bring this first episode of 2021 to a close. As always, I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Dodge Ferguson, we hope to have you back at some point this year. It's been too long, and we need more excuses for me to maybe do judo because damn it, I'm still scared of it. And there's 495. I want you to know I thought about every time I squatted up and down this year, I thought about that line and it pushed me to new heights. I want you to know that. It, All right. It, it, well, it, that, was, it was 495, but we added the little two and a half on, on the end. The two, uh, 
<laughs> All right. So everybody go out, go out and try squatting 495 if you think you can in honor of Dr. Ferguson. But front, front, we, squat, we, front squat. squat. It's got to be front squat. No back front squat. squat. All right. We love you. See you next time. Good night.